0: Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm your host, morning, and of course, as usual, Aiden.
1: How's it, guys? How's everybody doing? Tough fixtures to discuss, one against Leeds uh, and one against Benfica. Let's go to the Eminent Stadium, where we took on uh, a Leeds side that were, you know, up and down, but they could give anybody a game on their day.
0: You know, one thing that, like, you know, as we're now leading to the game, one thing that they actually said before, and it's like, you're either going to get leads that's going to come in and trounce you 5-0 or they're going to come in and get beaten 5-0 because they just know all or nothing. Because going into the game, you know, I guess no one also told the both teams, you know, the art of defending because I think from the first whistle, both teams are really at, at each other. I mean, of course, Arsenal were trying to play the more dominant possession position game, but uh, Leeds, you know, on their side... They were again trying like a also sort of high press, but constant high press. And I, I was just thinking to myself, the same story I always say, like if you're not physically up to it, you you can only push or pressure for so long and then it's going to start, you know, counting on you physically. But back to the game, uh, Leno and Luizan uh, came back to the squad after the suspensions. Uh, Sebioz Odegaard and Aubameyang came in as well. And then uh, the guys that ended up dropping to the bench, was Ryan, uh, Matt Ryan holding Pepe and Lacazette. Like uh, Thomas Partey is still out injured. What was your thoughts like with the lineup going?
1: It was very interesting to see Odegaard and Smith-Rowe like, starting together. And Sebeos as well. I know Sebios played that kind of double pivot role, as they say, with Granit um, Xhaka in the past. I mean, in that 3-4-3 formation. But you would say it's a very... Attacking side that probably you know if on song could unlock a lot of teams, especially with a with a prowess of a Pamyang up front. But you know you wonder like that was was luck as it dropped, or is he just you know because he's been playing game in game out consistently? Was that a tactical decision just to arrest him a bit, or you know does does um Arteta not believe that he can lead the line?
0: I think it, due to that experimental lineup as you know mentioned, because look, this was if you go down that's actually a point that jotted down was I mean, going to this game, this was actually the most attacking starting eleven that we've actually seen in years because you've had like you could actually put down as four attack knighted midfielders. Yeah. You know, was spread across the, the midfield with almost like Jacques just acting as a as a almost like a shield or the old school number six that they would call it. Whereas the others were almost like all in support. So look. Aubameyang also had no complaints. Look, something we've seen when he makes it kind of public or I think his family also made it public or his father's or something like that with regards to, yeah, he can only have bad games if, you know, we are not creating the chance. So, I mean, yet, I was telling my friend also, like, from the UK, uh, this was also no excuse for him now because, look, now he's got everything he really wants. He's going to have now. Someone like Saka and, and Smith-Rowe on each wing gonna have Odegaard, you know, almost like as that that uh, old school number 10. Oh, I mean at times they were also rotating Smith Rowan and Odegaard. But I mean you actually had now that option and then you had also almost like a double uh interest point also with, with Sebius there because he is also quite creative.
1: Yeah yeah definitely and, and it's good to see that side of Sebius I think he was battling a bit in this Arsenal team that was very much defence-minded more than anything. Yes, he's... Oh, he, he, and, and, like, I've, I've started to enjoy his gameplay, you know, like when we get to it in Betfica, but also playing here against Leeds, like, he's he he he's been, like, almost a spark. He's so kind of that guy we saw when he played against Burnley. So it's like, you're almost having that attacking prowess around him almost opens up doors for him to do things with the ball.
0: Yeah, look, the first 10 minutes, also were peppering the Leeds goal because, I mean, the, 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 we were coming at them from just about every angle. Then I think 12 minutes, was like so typical also of Arsenal. And then came on again, you know, it was like against the runoff play. Leeds again come at us. And I mean, uh, I think we kind of switched off it Was like it was getting, you know, on easy street somewhat for us. Uh, Patrick Bamford ends up darting ahead from a corner ahead of our defenders. And, I mean, he manages to get a shot at goal with the header, but, I mean, Leno manages to save.
1: Yeah, that's the problem with uh, said, that zonal marking sometimes, eh? Yeah. You lose track of of guys, and they always get that run on you.
0: And then, of course, since the game was already ending up or playing out like a ding-dong battle, a minute later, Aubameyang then collects the ball from a, a quite a neat Shaka pass, pass, know, very simple pass, which dissects the, the defence and the midfield. He ends up, uh, Aubameyang ends up getting into the leads box and then he does like, I think about two or three step overs, which kind of flummox the, the you know, the defenders trying like to kind of almost like jockey him. but I mean, they also just backing off, backing off. And I think by the time he's about to do the third one, when he notices that Meslier is kind of flat-footed, Abame just ends up eating a shot into the near post, 1-0 Arsenal.
1: And that's clever to he between the two defenders. I don't know if he made that purposely, but that definitely, you know, played a part in, bamboozling the keeper and it was it, it it trickled in actually like if you think about you know shots but 1-0 Arsenal and you know it, it just felt like they were probably going to stamp the authority on this one after that goal
0: then 26 minute, like you know as Leeds are trying to gain some sort of control in the game that they're partially being overrun and Harrison ends up firing a pot shot at Leno but I mean Leno manages to collect the ball quite easily so then 34th minute it was like a controversial moment. Uh Saka was darting through the Leeds defence and he kind of gets nudged off the ball. And the ref, of course, gives a penalty. Then VAR ends up double-checking it and they then say it's no penalty. So what was your thoughts on that moment?
1: I, I thought it was could have been a penalty because if you look at David Luiz's tackle against Wolves, it reminded me of something similar kind of a, a thing. So... You know, uh, if that's not the penalty, I mean, that got the red carded. I mean, this is a penalty that's overturned. So, you know, w- w- where do you go from here?
0: Yeah, because I mean, it's like each ref is not coming with... <laughs> like, uh, you can't say it's like a... But of course, you can have your own decision-making thing. Nobody can say everybody must be on the same page. But it's like you're getting one thing where, where somebody gets nuts of the ball. Like, that. look, I, I don't want to jump too much into the... Pot, like, you know, ahead in the podcast, but I don't want to bring up a point where... In the latter part of the second half, Bamford gets the exact same foul where he gets sandwiched again the summer to Arsenal defenders. And the commentators were eager for that to be a penalty. And I said, mm-hmm. How can... If, if that was like the same thing, it was, uh, you know, he was like nudged off the ball, uh, Saka was nudged off the ball by the Leeds defender. And yet he had a problem with that. And yet for them, now this thing was now, should have been a Stonewall penalty. And I'm thinking, like How do you figure that now?
1: Yeah, it's, it's the 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 blurred. It's, it's blurred lines, you know. Yeah. One moment, you know, penalty. No next, like you know, no penalty. And these decisions have impacts on games. I mean, you know, who, who knows? Maybe after that, you know, Leeds could have scored almost immediately or something like that. But because of, I mean, two, you could have been 2 0 up, getting the penalty, and you know, game could have been buried. It 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 plays a lot. I don't like this VAR I mean I'm going to say something controversial but I think you know they should scrap VAR out the game and I'll rather have you know decisions because now you're having this decisions that they're re-looking at they're re-looking at the decision or they're not even looking at it. sometimes they don't even go and check the the um, the video footage on the screen to make a decision VAR is just saying oh no this is happening and then they're like okay overturn no penalty or so, and yeah'
0: just, i'd like just you know, stick on that point now. Have you noticed how cute they tried to be this v a r set up with the Premier League when the incident happens, like you as a fan, I mean, look, we know the fans the, the majority they're now are able to go watching the stadium they they you know they have to also now accept the decision, but have you noticed now that we like you're home and you want you have it, you have the game running on t v so you actually as a fan want to also see okay, so explain to me now that you know yes. it's now not not even. And yet, they will let the, they'll keep it from you. And then, like, say, five to ten minutes after the fact, then all of a sudden it gets slipped into the, 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 the you know, the, the televised thing that you're watching now. Then all of a sudden, yeah, okay, here's yeah, the footage available. But then, I mean, it's like five to ten minutes too late. You can't do yeah. this. Because you as a fan are now watching this thing. I was like, yeah, but I mean, we were now all done by the... And now all of a sudden you have to come show us, oh, yeah, the error, it could have been an error in judgment. Uh,
1: it's frustrating, I mean... I I think you know I may be wrong, but I think in the World Cup they actually you know reviewed things correctly where they went to go look at the screen for every decision and they they to was right or wrong. And for me, even if makes a decision, he, the VR calls it and he goes and looks at the board. He has time to have a look at the decision and he says, you know, penalty, no penalty, and it goes against or for Arsenal. You know, you, you accept it because he's looking at it, he's taking his time through it, and he doesn't see any reason why it should change. So, you know, stick to his artful decision. But we don't see that enough.
0: And I mean, look, Aiden, what you and I said, how that, you know, certain decisions can have consequences. Because if you think last season, when Aston Villa just scraped in, and it eventually came down to a decision that was done at the start of, you know, after the comeback of the COVID lockdown, yeah, the first game... Where they, uh, Asin Vollup at Sheffield United, Sheffield United did a shot at goal. The ball was over the line. The Keyboard was, uh, was also in goal with the ball. And then uh, the, all the ref could now do was, like, you know, say play on, because it was like say uh, recommended as a save. And yet, the, what's it, that Hawk, I think, of the goal line technology was not plugged in. So that oh, the,
1: my it, word. I remember
0: that. So it means. You know, the teams now got relegated. They should actually also feel hard done by because they were not just robbed a few points from uh, Villa losing at on-point
1: thing. Yeah, I mean, Villa just scraped through. It seems like yeah. they get the rub of the green a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this other the Southampton game against Villa as well. I think Danny Ing scored a perfectly good goal. And, you know, VR checked it with the lines and his arm was ahead of the play, so They called it offside.
0: So, it's at ninth minute, Saka then closes down Mesler. I mean, Arsenal were doing also the high press on the goalkeeper as well. And I think for once, like, he was dealing with it quite well up to then. But then he decided, I think, to take an extra touch. And by the time he takes an extra touch, Saka is almost like right in his face. And he ends up, you know, kind of spilling the ball forward. And in his, like, recovery, Mesler, he ends up jacking down Saka. Stonewall penalty, Arsenal.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was no VAR doubt about that, but... Saka just becoming becoming so unplayable of late, and they were trying to do that hacking down of him, but it wasn't working. It's like that was a good, good, good move by him, and I think you know, I think well deserved after the first half.
0: Yeah, I yeah, Oscar had you a know, tough time in that first half trying to hack him down because every time he was just too fast for him. But uh, well, that's it. Uh, for the first one, I mean, steps up for the penalty and perfectly plants the ball in the top corner. Two 0 no Arsenal.
1: Yeah, you could see he needed these, those two goals for his confidence booster, And, you know, for me personally, looking 2-0 before half-time, I would have taken that.
0: Yeah. And, of course, forty-fourth minute, Arsenal literally swarming leads now into errors. Sebios ends up picking the ball, nutmegs, I think, click. And then, uh is on the overlap, manages to get the ball under control, steer the ball past the last way, and then drill the, pass, drill the ball past the keeper. 3-0 Arsenal.
1: I was really impressed with Seba Eos' pass as well. There's a nice, cute little touch. The so I think it was through the defender's legs. Like, and then, yeah, it could finish by Peloton as well. And I think, you know, most of us at that point were thinking, you know, what substitutes are we going to make in the second half? Are we going to arrest the Benfica coming up?
0: Yeah. In the second half, surprisingly, Leeds end up making the two early subs they brought on the More attack-minded players, because I think some of them were really having a hard time dealing with Arsenal's quick uh, passing, and I think this is what was actually hurting them more, because if you remember that first few minutes, or not first few minutes, that, that part after the first goal, between the first goal and the ninth minute, of the, pe- the penalty, we were almost like, kind of slowing things up, which was almost like playing into Leeds' hands, and so they were almost like getting a bit, not cocky, but more adventurous, like actually going at, you know, having a right go at us, but but uh, I mean, second half, we're coming already immediately out of the blocks quite fast, then immediately, 47th minute, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe manages to worm himself into the Leeds box again. At first, looks like he wants to go for a shot, but then I think he realizes now he's just going to hit one of those shots across goal. Manages to place a perfect pass across the 6 yard box, and Obama comes in with a diving header, 4-0 Arsenal.
1: Maybe if, a few weeks ago, he wouldn't have dived like that and just you know, maybe stretched a leg or something, but... He definitely seemed a bit more eager and, you know, there was a lot of debate going around with Emile Smith whether he meant the the cross or did he actually try to shoot for the far corner.
0: No, I'm still sticking with a cross because when <laughs> I had a, a side-on look at it, you can actually see, oh, I angled his foot to get one of that, that you know, like a bar, banana-type bend on it to, to, to uh, curl towards man. Yeah?
1: He's been in quite a bit of assist, actually, you know, for, for, for the amount of games yeah. he's been played this season. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's on top of his game right now. So, leads immediately, then, you know, come in the offensive. Rafinha again, force, forcing a top save from Leno. Um, then, of course, almost like the wheels kind of start falling off by Arsenal because 58th minute, Arsenal, very bad marking at, at the corner. Again, what you were saying about the zonal marking being a, 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 you know, can be a problem sometimes. They end up having in that zone that, that uh, the eventual goal, goal scorer Pascal Striker is in, they let uh, uh, what's it, Bakaya Saka be that zone with you, And of course, that guy's already got the, the run on on Saka. And I mean, he ends up just almost like overpowering David Luiz and he steals the ball into the net
1: 4-1. Yeah. And and I think I wasn't worried at 4-1. you're still kind of uh, thinking Arsenal will be fine and see the result out. But like my biggest gripe for me was, you know, Oteta bringing on William. Instead of bringing on, like, a Martinelli or Pepe or even, like, a Z. I
0: mean, I, I just wonder sometimes, of course, yeah, we, we do a lot of piss thinking on here sometimes, but, I mean, does he get, like, a sort of appearance fee? Like, you know, he has almost like <laughs> for to make an appearance. Because right there and then, it made, for me, no sense bringing him on. Because, as you said, you're going to either bring on a sort of attacking forward or attacking winger, it's actually got the legs to take the game to Leeds. Because, look, Leeds were already... You could also see the way Leeds approaching the game. They were getting almost like more adventurous. adventurous because, look, Bielsa has that sort of attitude drilled into them where they, they, they will fight to the last breath for him. And yeah. the way they, they play. And I'm just thinking, because like, you, of course, see the whole game passing by. And, and you know what? You know, mentioned also, like, with him being on, uh, what was it, 69th minute... When that ball gets pinged around by Leeds, he, he's just I'm like standing like a spectator ball watching the ball. I mean everybody's trying to do something to to cover up the mess going on there in midfield. The ball breaks out to the left and then of course Tyler Roberts, he ends up uh cutting the ball back and uh Costa ends up firing in uh nearpo near post bullet shot four two.
1: Yeah, well, I, I i i shades of Arsenal Newcastle after they brought to four two. Thinking, you know, flip is this, are they really going to turn this one around on us? But yeah, the, the Arsenal seem to have, you know, almost stabled the ship after after that second goal went in.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, I'm with totally with you because I did also. I mean, look as positive as I can try to be. Alarm bells were ringing by me, and I was already my mind was drifting to St James's Park some years back with uh, Jake. <laughs> Ten UK. years ago. Almost to the I mean, day. Someone goes like turning because I was thinking, uh, <laughs> you know, what? I minute, another, another thing, uh, opportunity goes in for them. I mean, a lot. Then, I mean, you're you already, ready sort uh, panicking because look at that. If you think back, I mean, any of the goners that's listening, that shot back in the day. I mean, who would have thought? Check the old. I mean, that that was like a 35-yard volley. <laughs> the teams are eating back towards the yes.
1: Home. But, really? but that that that's also Arsenal's own stupidity. They gave it like almost two penalties away or something. like a penalty or Leon Best of all people. I don't know where Leon Best is now but he <laughs> troubled Arsenal. And Yeah, but like you said, they checked the Yacht last minute kick Arsenal. I think, you know, we were very much in the title race that yeah. that that game. And I, and I think, you know, that, that knocks you winner to your, your sails. I mean, we started like a house on fire. You could say almost in the similar to this Leeds fashion. We were up you know, in that game 4-0, but this game 3-0 and, you know, allowing um, leads to, you know, bang in two goals. But, you know, like you said also, like the, the the team just seemed that they were a bit more mature and just kind of, you know, play that stabilised kind of game where they, you know, not going to take too much risks, but they're also going to see the game out. And I think bringing on Alneny was a very good choice, especially yeah, okay. the type of game that he plays when he, pass back, slow it down. And yeah. I think that kind of helped as well.
0: Was like 76-minute, Aubameyang ends up crashing and a shot against the crossbar. And then eighty-third minute Saka ends up also, you know, beating quite a few uh, players. And then his shot ends up beating the keeper, but ends up, uh, you know, smacking the base of the post.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, like we, we just were very professional. I, I think other times maybe we could have seen a different... Um, Result, but I'm also very like keen to see what happens when Kieran Tierney and Party comes into the fray because they also add a different dynamic, attacking and defensively.
0: I would mean, say was quite unlucky in the eighty seventh minute when he ends up beating one of that long range painting shots. And I mean you could see it was also heading top corner, but I mean Meslier pulled off a you know, fine save to deny Arsenal here. A fifth.
1: Yeah, but I think this is one of the games, you know, where the scoreline flat to deceive. I mean, Arsenal could have, have ran away with it more. We just allowed, yeah. Yeah. you know, Wolves, I'm not, Wolves leads back into the game. But, you know, we take the three points and, and move on to Thursday night where, you know, a lot of us gooners were, you know, were not nervous. Me personally, I was nervous, yeah, but was one up. of the big games.
0: No, I was upbeat for that game. I mean, I had no real fear to it, because I mean, I just thought to myself, you know, especially when you take the league, uh, besides, besides, of course, league forms, but, uh, you know, the sort of strength that the Premier League is compared to the, the Premier League, I really thought to it that it would be like, you know, it was going to need a workman effort, but we could get the job over the line.
1: And we started the first, our starting lineup was the same from the weekend, and it was the first time we've done something like that since September 2018. Like yeah. a, the, just the same team that's played, you know, after each other.
0: Yeah. So the game kicks off. Arsenal, of course, forced their dominance mm-hmm. early on. Was quite a lot of position football. I think at at one point it was like eighty eighty plus percent position for Arsenal. Uh, the only problem is like for all Arsenal's chances that were you know being carved out. The attack looked blunt, and I mean, it was very really uncharacteristic. And I think the, one of the biggest problems that I picked up quite early in the first half was, um, I mean, I don't know what sort of play Arteta was trying, because um, if you think where Emil Smith-Rowe is hurting teams the most is that playing between the lines of the midfield yeah. and forwards. And he actually had him drift almost like further left than we would normally have a left wing, so it was almost like hugging the touchline. But he was having like little to no impact. I mean, he was trying to do that little give and go stuff, but I mean, he was—it was also a game where where Benfica were almost like smothering us to almost uh, almost like you had to do basic little passes backwards to your own goal.
1: I think you know, I is now now a bit of a kind of a, would you say, a dilemma with regards to like uh, you know, who does he play, Smith Rowe or does he play? Um, oh, the go. Oh God! Yeah, so now I think he's trying to squeeze them both in because they both play as you want in the field, but I don't think he's finding the right manner to utilize both of them. You know, it's either you have maybe one holding midfielder and you have the two of them, you know, kind of running with their legs in the middle of the park, almost like a Chavez slash Iniesta kind of combination, or you know, you one has to maybe sit out depending on you know the type of game you want to play. Yeah,
0: so I mean, for me, 19th minute, Aubameyang. Oh, Oh. Probably the miss of the match. Uh, Bellerin does some, you know, real crafting down the right flank. Manages to get himself into the box, smashes the ball across goal. And I mean, for me, it was almost like easier to, you know, what they normally say, to miss. Yes. And he ends up, I mean, I don't know if he was too nonchalant or... But I mean, for me, I mean, straight up with you and the listeners, I mean, for me, it infuriated me. Because for me, especially in a, in, a, in a tournament like this, if you think... I mean, of course, you were too young to even remember this, but when, when any of the that are now listening that, that our European Cup, winners Cup, um, run back in the day, these were the sort of games where that is the game changing moments, right there, that 19th minute that you saw now yesterday. Like, you, you'd get, like, say, Ian Wright or Tony Adams or Alan Smith, they would somehow get us into, you know, edge us forward, like, one all up, and it kind of, you know, it was like, Allow the other team to open up more if they're playing on a defensive and then you like, start picking them off. But for me, this this sort of attitude is like too nonchalant, and especially if, if if any of you guys have watched yesterday uh, before the the Arsenal or the Benfica Arsenal game, when you see how Man United put uh, Sociedad to the sword, and I mean Sociedad is not a Mickey Mouse team; yes. they're really in the mix in La Liga as well. But I mean the way we made a you know even with out of a team like this that really I mean, they weren't really attacking us and, and they were almost like benefiting more from our errors. That's why yes. they, were, they were looking threatening through, through, to our, through us being cocky and arrogant at times.
1: I mean, Benfica, let's listen us the mention words here or mix words. They were poor. They were really bad last night. I mean, not extremely bad, but they were quite bad. And the fact that we never took advantage of it, like, as you said, a could have put us up 1-0 very early on and you, know, you, you never know, you know, Benfica's wheels could have... Yeah. Come off, but to put that you know, best aside, you Benfica kind of thinks, okay, wait, you know, we 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 are we still in this game. Mm.
0: No, because I mean, the longer it, it was staying at, at at zero zero, I was starting to feel like you know, I was like nervous. I'm, <clears throat> excuse me. And then if you look at it, that moment in the 45th minute, just before half time, where uh, Karanacjaka ends up, you know, look, we trying to see it out half time. It's no, no. And he tries that that pass, at, the expansive pass that really pissed me off at times. Yeah. He tries on the one side of the pitch to the other, and, I mean, of course, it gets intercepted. And, you know, thank goodness uh, Sebaeus was aware, because I, th- I think if it was, say, somebody like uh, William that was playing, it would <laughs> be totally switched off. But Sebaeus, like, reads the danger, and he manages to get himself ahead and, and uh, blocks the ball. Yeah, there's a very... If,
1: if Sebaeus is, like, you know... He, he, he's very useful. He's a useful player to have in the team. And I think, you know, his work rate there was was second to none. To, and he spotted okay. the danger very quickly. He spots danger quite well, actually, Seba. You always see him put in a last-ditch tackle a lot of the time. So, you know, kudos to him. And it would be interesting to actually see how a demon party can conjure up together, you know, with, the, with yeah. this team. Because, I mean, uh, you
0: know, just when we were praising Jacques the last few weeks. It's like he, I don't know, just over like last night, he went back to the Xhaka that kind of yes. everybody. Like he was trying, like, besides like some of the needless fouls he was giving away. But I mean, the, the sort of passing, you could see at times were not going to be on because since uh, Benfica, if any of you guys remember, they were playing so tightly knitted down the, the middle of the pitch. To, to even uh, attempt a, a sort of long-range pass like constantly, it was going to get intercepted probably nine times out of ten. Yeah, but they do
1: it there, I mean, I mean come on, you can, not across cross your goal mouth, you play a rock, you can play a long-range cross across your goal mouth in the opposition half, but where he did it, There's almost like we a corner flag, and he played such an amazing ball to that Benfica player.
0: Yeah. Then, of course, of course the, the other big gripe, you know, as we're now going to half-time, that was really annoying me, and I mean, that's going to now lead to also part of uh, the second half, how... Benfica for the full 90 minutes, no offsides. Arsenal, 10. Wow. I mean, like, you've, and, and I mean, Saka and Aubameyang are the worst culprits because what I didn't get was they are two of our quickest players and yet they've been caught offside. And I mean, look, you've played football. I've played football. I mean, probably most of the listeners also. Surely your coaches have te- uh, like, taught you. you If you were playing in an attacking or offensive, uh, uh, offensive position, you have to always watch that last man so that you can almost like hang on his shoulder. So, you almost like you give him a sort of head start about like, you know, ahead of you so that your speed will take you, you know, it further. So, because I mean, even my daughter was picking up, she was asking me, why doesn't Saka or Bamiyang do what um uh, what's it, Marcus Rashford does? Where he does not like a sort of what they call that horseshoe run where he starts oh, yes. inside, then he goes back on, and then he does that sprint to beat you. So uh, it's like they were not using it, and every time it was so simple because you couldn't even see they are not watching the line. Because look afterwards, you, you when you when you see a sort of trend picking up in a certain player, you actually watch to see he's actually watching the line. And it's all like they almost like with it, like you know that the race horses with the blinkers on. <laughs> they think the minute the ball gets played forward, they just have to sprint. It's not uh, to beat the offside trappers, it, it takes way more than that.
1: Yeah, you need Arcio you know, kind of, you know, just. We be once they ahead of the the opposition. I mean they have the pace. I mean there's no reason to, to be offside.
0: Remember how Anelka used to catch people out with it. We you know, he'll give you like a, about two or three foot headstood on him and I mean by the time the ball gets played over, he's gone. Because I mean, yeah. he his, his pace is gonna burn he you know, he's got the pace to burn power. So uh second half quite early. I mean, we already it was like you know, just feeling out because uh, I don't like the standard of the football. Also, start getting worse and worse as the game started with the second half. Uh, we then end up giving away almost like a cheap penalty because I, I think after that, if, if many of you can remember, late in the first half, Supertharo went down with a sort of injury and he didn't look right after that. And yeah. then I now mean, he comes out second half and he still looks, you know, sluggish and whatever. And even uh, when he had to not help, uh, close down in the area when, when uh, Benfica were attacking. He ends up almost like lazily just putting his arm out when the cross comes in. I, mean, I think it was a bit harsh, somewhat, but
1: it was harsh. I, I think it was harsh, but I mean, you can't. make the was, ref to make a decision.
0: Looked, he looked a few steps totally out of, you know, the way the game, you know, game style was going. He just looked like somebody needed to be subbed in then. But of course, we give the penalty away. and steps up and, yeah, you know, sends a good penalty pass. Leno, I mean, he, he manages to get the right direction but I mean that guy he so much power 1-0 Benfica
1: oh, I, I was really disappointed I thought oh, Flip man after all this control we've had in this game to go 1-0 down already not on
0: then I mean as the commenters say says <laughs> something like you know also need to get a more like, snappier approach with the, with the movement of the ball Sebio ends up a, like something like a 50 yard pass forward Arsenal of course already on the front foot there's a whole lot of interchanging of passes. Ball breaks to Odegaard. He sends a perfect dissected ball through to Cedric. And I mean, Cedric ends up laying the ball on the plate for Saka. 1-1. There's
1: two things I wanted to me- mention with that, with the goal. The first thing is, you know, since you've told me about Cedric working on his crosses with his left foot, you know, I've, I've been watching it almost like a walk. And, that cross with his weaker left foot, I mean, he hit it first time. I mean, it's something that we haven't had in a while from our wing-backs to cross like that. So, yeah. kudos to him. And I don't know if you saw Odegaard's reaction when we scored. Like, you know, he's, I know he's a, a Real Madrid player still, but the way he celebrated when we scored, like, you would swear he's, he's been a gooner for a while. Like, he's really pumped. And he, you can see he's probably a, a winner.
0: Well, ever look at Sebayos as well, because he's actually on the edge of the box. He actually ends up running... To celebrate with the substitute. <laughs> they <There's a goal. laughs>
1: I it's didn't see break. that. I should actually have a look at that.
0: Yeah, so uh sixty second minute. sixty second Um Benfica then now try to go for the win as well. They bring on a more attacking player. They sub Rafa ends up forcing Leno to a full stretch save. But I mean Arsenal again at the back kind of sloppy with you know the way they were allowing things to to slip through because they were at times Valen looked like he was also tiring somewhat because at times, he wasn't really also getting help with, uh, you know, uh, William and them playing in front of him. Uh, we didn't know. Like, I mean, I think there and then, this is all, yeah, I think I had like, somewhat a gripe with, with Ateeta because I think there already you could see the subs were needed to, you know, you needed to uh, bring something, it was like a fresher approach. Uh, Tierney then comes on for Cedric. Arsenal um, again, fluffed chance by Aubameyang. You know, really, really frustrating because. You know, you think to yourself, you know, here's a chance to, like, bury the tie. I mean, like, second away goal as always, which makes it even yeah. a, a bigger uphill task for them. But, I mean, he ends up... I, I don't know if it's, it's like... He has moments where you see a confidence like he had against Leeds, and you see, again, the lack of confidence against Benfica, because it's as like as that miss in the first half took his, you know, head completely away. And, I mean, he, instead of just placing the ball past the keeper, he ends up trying to still check back, and by the time he tries to check back... He gets taken out
1: by the defender, Racklin. Yeah, that was that was quite annoying. I mean, that was... I don't know uh, why well, he just didn't go on and smash it with his, his, his left foot. But, you know, what you said earlier on, you know, that mess could have changed the tie to an extent. Not to say we're going to lose anything, but had a Aubameyang scored that tap-in, you don't think he would have probably scored that to make it 2-1 or 2-0 or 3-1. And I'm going
0: to do it also, mean. Made- uh, Benfica not playing so tight like they were playing because they would have yeah. actually open up the game a bit more because I think they were almost like just comfortable with watching us just pass, pass, pass and not you know get any progress forward. Exactly um,
1: because an away goal means nothing right now. I mean, yes, you know it's all it's, it's basically just an away goal for you know on the books of of the away goals rule, but you know uh, Arsenal are going to be playing in Athens, so yeah, at, at the so moment.
0: You know, having to it looks like I have two neutral venues now for a Europa League tie, and I was just double checking if it was was say Leicester City, they will be playing their own league in uh, the King Power Stadium, and I find that really annoying. Like you know, going into the the next league coming up next week.
1: Uh, this is quite frustrating. What's the reason that they managed to play at the home and we got at, at the end? It's because of this new strain of the virus? So
0: no, uh, I think it's more with with. The rules are not so strict with you know the, the opponent in their country, so that's why. Okay, uh,
1: okay, makes sense, you know. makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, uh, also then make these subs uh, with Pepe, Martinelli coming on for Smith-Rowe and Aubameyang. Uh, for me, fifteen to ten to fifteen minutes, way too late. Because I still think when, when you could see it, you know uh, when Aubameyang was offering really nothing going forward, uh, Smith-Rowe looked uh, you know either naked or he was carrying a sort of injury because like, he did not, not look himself, like, you know, the way we know he plays. So I think that was done way too late. Uh, the subs also that now came on, Pepe and Martinelli, made no really uh, no much, uh, no uh, real impact on the game. And as I said now, with, uh, this is now my my opinion now, with Arteta, my biggest problem was the way he used his subs. I mean, for me, even last week, uh, if you take that Leeds game, I found it also ridiculous how... Mm what was the holding coming on with two minutes to go in a game where you can see people are gassed already and, and need some sort of fresh legs or, you know, some shoring up in, in defence. That is where he almost, like, leaves the team sometimes high and dry. And for me now, so, like, what's the 90th minute, he ends up bringing on Elneny and William and brings off Sebo and Odegaard. And you And thinking, like, why are you just wasting your subs? I mean, you could have actually used these players to make some sort of impact going in like midway in the second half.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think you need to work on easy substitutes, definitely. I know, you know, so, uh, Emre ironically got his substitutes quite good, but that's because he got his start, starting lineup quite bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, again, not, not a good showing for European football from both teams, but, I mean, we go to the second leg with a, you know, vital away goal.
1: If anything, you know, we haven't been impressive. We look at Spurs and, 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 and Man United, so... You know, we we we. Man United seem like they are going for the Europa League as well. I thought maybe they would, you know, take the foot off the pedal a bit because of possibly you know they could go in the title race. But I, I think that they're gonna rather probably put their eggs in the Europa League as well.
0: Yeah. So we move our attention to the build-up for the City game on Oof. Sunday. Yeah, that is the key to it all. Yeah. Oof, because <laughs> you know, reading up on past uh, fixtures doesn't make a real good reading. I mean, Arsenal's log- last win over uh, Man City was 21st of December 2015, and you were still visiting Germany at the time, I recall. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is oh, it's such a long time ago. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, post-takeover Man City wins, they have been, you know, few and far between, because, I mean, you can see Arsenal just cannot cope with the sort of financial spending power that Man City have. And I think, you know, no matter which way you look at it, I mean, as a football fan... You know, even like, like a football connoisseur, even you can see that does change the game drastically. Because I think yeah. if we had like sort of uh, money toe to toe, like they had, we could now, you know, make a scrap of it. But I mean, it's just next level stuff at times.
1: Well, but the problem is, if you're spending 80 million on a player like we did with Pepe, you expect results. I mean, we yeah. we spending 300k a week on on we on Mesut Özil, and he wasn't playing. I mean. So, uh, we have the money. I think we just utilize it incorrectly. I mean, uh, look at Gündogan. It was, 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 did he have a big signing fee for City? Do you recall if it was a big fee? Oh,
0: I don't recall. I mean, I just know uh, he was doing an excellent job at Schalke and all of a sudden that deal almost like fell out of the blue. So, it just shows you how not only potent the the, the um, recruitment is at the club, but I mean, owl they also keep it silent till the last. I mean, it almost like has a... a uh, Bayern Munich, takes to it because Bayern also do this stuff very, very quietly. Sometimes they'll, you know, they'll flaunt it, but they also know when they have to shut their mouths and just get the, business, you know, the deal done.
1: No, I I agree, and I think we 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 too much. And I think you know, as much as 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 money they've been spending, I think also that um, oh sorry, I'm just checking. They they paid twenty million for for Gundogan. I mean, it just looks that. You know, to have the kitty and spend it wisely is also, you know, one thing. But if you look at full Foden coming up, you know, they also have players that's that's the youngsters besides
0: the money factor. And you see, like, you know, when I mean, I I know I always mention on the podcast how you actually got me to take note of him because I didn't think that much of him before. Uh, You always used to pick up on it. And I watched him, like, the other night also. Like, I've watched him now. He's Tottenham. I've watched him against, uh, you know, Liverpool. and then The sort of confidence. almost like, Pep just tells me, you know, just go there. You know, go out there and just do your thing. And, I mean, he does. And, I mean, he's, uh, you know, one hell of an impact player for them. And, I mean, look, for me, as positive as I want to be, you know, this is a sort of game where I told you weeks up, up front already. I mean, I have my doubts. I mean, because you can't really go toe-to-toe with him because you're going to get your ass handed to you. And, I mean... I think for us, it's going to be a very, very smart approach we're going to need. You know, something down the lines of, like, FA Cup final, semi-final win over them. You know, that's sort the f- brand of football we're going to need.
1: I think if for, for, for advice to any fans watching the game tomorrow, don't go with any expectations. Or oh, Sunday, sorry. Don't go into any expectations. Okay. You know, put your jersey on if you want to put your jersey on and just go and enjoy the game. This is the kind of game as an Arsenal fan where you kind of have that free pass, you know? If mm-hmm. we get beaten by Man City, it's fine. Uh, we're not expected to beat them, but if we beat them, we'll get the point, you know? Suddenly, we're smiling, but I do think with Arsenal playing Benfica and Leicester back-to-back, you know, it's they're, 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 uh, not that I want to lose games or some games aren't important, but, you know, you, you can look at this one and say, I have bigger fish to fry, even though that's probably the biggest fish you're playing at the moment.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, look—they're chasing now some like 13 straight wins, and yeah, with a mix and match uh, season.
1: Yeah, and, and, they, and they've and they've also you know haven't had their full-strength squad. I mean, Aguero like or hardly—I can't remember when he's touched the ball actually.
0: I'm mean, You know, the other day when I was just going through the the squad lineups of of Man City when they were playing that one of the catch-up games in Madrid, Everton, my stomach, yeah. yeah, my stomach actually turned when I saw the Brainer coming on with 10 minutes to go, and I thought, <laughs> oh, so that means he is already all primed to probably to start against us the, the
1: weekend. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, I mean, we did put a good showing, when we lost in the Atr when they were all four one 0 So, yeah, I'm not gonna put any predictions out there because predictions lead <laughs> to expectation. So I'm just gonna go there and uh, sit with a smile on my face, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah.
0: So you know, just before we round off. Uh, I just want to just touch on lightly the uh, return leg of the Benfica game, as you mentioned, that's going to take place in, in, in Athens. Uh, any hopes, any ideas how that's going to play out?
1: Yeah, it's, I don't think Benfica will come as bad as they did at at in a row. What I do think is Arsenal need to make that away goal count. I mean, it means Benfica has to come out to try and score, which is a positive thing. But Arsenal can't allow them to score in the first 10 to 15 minutes because, you know, suddenly the away goal becomes null and void. So I think it's important for Arsenal to get on the front foot, you know, take your chances. And yeah, um, you know, I, I would take this one, go all out, you know, even if you have to rest some players for the weekend, let Laka's head start. But I think the Europa League is our priority right now, you know. Yeah, we we, 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 we could lose this game anyway with a full strength squad. So, yeah, I mean, against City, so Benfica should be the focus. I'm hoping for a 3 0 win against Benfica.
0: Yeah. So, with that, um, in the podcast, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Take care, stay safe, and bye. Cheers, guys.